<laughs> well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show, coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I'm, of course, your host, John Campia, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. Why are y'all going live? Oh, we are, we are live? Oh, yeah, we're live. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, we've got a good one for you today, we hope. Uh, we're going to talk about some movies and movie news and heartbeats. and. That's so funny. <laughs> What? It was shall never be spoken of. <laughs> you okay, Chris? Yeah, I'm good. Oh my god. It was a good one. <laughs> anyway, oh. why? Um, thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. We got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about here today on the show. We're glad you dropped in and decided to join us for this um this uh, totally professional. <laughs> Jesus Something dropped in. <laughs> <laughs> nice choice of words. Did you plan that? All right. If everyone wants to know, I was talking about. <laughs> we don't want to no, know. No, I know. We don't no, want no, to no. know. Okay. Okay. Welcome, John. It's very professional entertainment show. Wait, why is the chat immediately like Chris farted? Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> If we're talking about butts and mine, yeah. <laughs> Lord. Yeah, I know. Don't spread, spread fake rumor. Yeah. We're just talking about one of my fondest memories. <laughs> my fondest memories. <laughs> if anyone has, has ever taken a, a, what is it called? A weed? A weed grass shot? Don't do it. That's all I got to say. All right. Don't take that weed grass shot. Okay, we got some stuff to talk about here today. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what. Um, hey, listen. <laughs> First thing I should let you guys know about is uh, two weeks from yesterday, February, Sunday, the 19th in Burbank, California, myself, your, uh, one of your favorites, Christian Harloff, and another <laughs> one of your favorites, Greg Alba, uh, we're going to be doing a live show at Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank, California. Just the three of us on stage talking about the online movie world. And specifically, we're also going to be talking about the new Ant-Man movie, which comes out just a few days before that. We hope you guys will come by. and Listen, the, the tickets are about 80% sold out. I think the last I checked, there was like 30 tickets left. So, uh, Joe, go down and look in the description of the video. It is in the description, right? The link? Yeah. Awesome. Go down to the description of the video. You'll find a link to where you can buy tickets. And if you're in the L.A. area, we do hope you guys will come by and join us for a fun evening. It should be a lot of fun. Free week grass shots. Uh, <laughs> free grass shots for everybody. Um, also, want to let you guys know a little bit later today at 3 p.m. Los Angeles time, that's 6 p.m. New York time, we're going to be doing our Last of Us after show open spoiler discussion. We're going to be talking about last night's episode on today's show, but we're not going to talk about an open spoilery details and such make sure you come back and join us at 3 p.m la time for that open spoiler discussion while we're on the topic of that gonna let you guys know about some podcast feeds that we have if you need your daily fix of the john campia show but you can't be in front of a youtube video good news we've got the john campia show podcast an audio only feed go on your favorite podcasting app of choice search for it and subscribe to it today also we have another feed called after show that's kind of right now just focused on last of us but we're also gonna be doing after shows for mandalorian a little bit later. There's the one. Uh, and uh, so go and make sure if you're not going to be able to catch us live at 3 p.m. today and you want to listen to our discussion about Last of Us a little bit later, go and find the After Show podcast feed and subscribe to that one today. All right, guys. 
With that all down and out of the way, let's get into a couple of off the tops here today, shall we? And the first one we're going to talk about is this. You know, one of my favorite shows, I'd say safely without exaggeration, one of my top 10 favorite shows ever is probably Dexter. Uh, I absolutely love that show. And I was very late to the party. A lot of my friends were already on board with it for a couple of years. And I finally got talked into trying it and I was instantly hooked. Uh, I even really liked, a lot of people didn't like the last season. I even really liked the last season. I just didn't like the last episode. I thought that was a little bit weak. So then they came back with, what was the name of the relaunch series? Dexter? New uh, Blood. New Blood. Yeah. Is new that blood. what it did? Okay, not like Afterbirth. Yeah, New Blood. You're right. Dexter, <laughs> New Blood, or something along those lines. Watch it. And <laughs> it, it was it was all right. I thought the new Dexter was was okay, but it did remind me about how much I did like and enjoy the show. Well... We're going to be getting no more Dexter, sort of. According to Deadline, it has been confirmed that a Dexter prequel series is coming. They wrote the following. McCarthy confirmed that a Dexter prequel is in the works, telling the title character's origin story. Set in his hometown of Miami, in addition to the origin story, it will also incorporate the stories of real-life serial killers of the time. The recent sequel series, Dexter New Blood, which set Showtime viewership records, is also likely to continue with a second season in the future. Although, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not so interested in that. Uh, McCarthy said, additionally, the network is exploring spinoffs about the origin stories of other Dexter characters, including the Trinity Killer, played uh, by Jonathan Lithgow in the original series. So, going back, telling the origin story of Dexter. I am generally not a big fan of origin, like prequel origin stories. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that I've never come across a prequel origin story that I haven't enjoyed, but just in general, I'm also not sure I'm all that thrilled about a Dexter series without him. Uh, Michael, what's Michael's name again? Michael C. Hall. And I, I'm not, I think that to me is Dexter. Which is part of the reason why when they're talking about a Dexter New Blood, a sequel series, I, I'm not terribly, terribly interested in that. Listen, Showtime, Paramount Plus, which are all now merged together, they're <laughs> making some big moves. As a matter of fact, another thing they just announced today that uh, George Clooney is partnering up with Taylor Sheridan's 101 Studios and they're making a new show on Showtime called The Department, which is based on a French, a very popular French series called The Bureau, I believe is what that one's called. They are bringing a spinoff series of billions. They're now doing things. I mean, this Paramount and Showtime are making big, big moves. I'm just not so sure I'm totally into the idea about a Dexter prequel per se without a Michael C. Hall. Anyway, Rob, you hear about this news. What do you think? Well, again, it, like everything, it depends on how well it's done, you know, and, and who they cast. I mean, if they're casting a young Dexter, that person's got to be very, very good. And they talk about, like, James Remar coming back, playing his father before he f dies. Right. You Harry. know, or, yeah, and something like that, which, I mean, it could be it could be interesting if it's well, if it's well done. And then they're talking about this tr Trinity Killer story to bring back John Lithgow, who was great as the trinity killer i doubt they'd be bringing him back but yeah well yeah yeah a younger I mean, actor yeah an, or, or do something you know maybe framings i don't know but i mean the idea behind these shows actually i like the ideas behind them but what about the execution whenever i see this you know i keep going back to something like solo like i liked solo but you know you're you're it's a tough act to follow alden enreich you know when you've got harrison ford who was just in a movie and then you're watching a young solo show it's like well i want to see the I want to see 
the Harrison Ford solo. Yeah. And you're fighting against that. And I think that, I mean, this is now a, a Dexter shared universe. I mean, hey, if they're good, I'll watch them. It's like anything else. Chris, you're hearing about this. You uh, Did you watch the original Dexter? Or would you be interested in a prequel series? Uh eliminates the stakes for me you know something like andor where we have all these new characters so we don't know what's going to happen to them we don't know some of these other people's fates you get really invested in so it can be done but then other shows when we know how somebody's ending is it makes it a little less easy to get invested and really care about what's happening. So if it's done well, I mean, it has the potential to be really cool. He's such a fascinating character and what an interesting case study in serial killers. But I don't know. I'm going to have to wait to see. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? Were you a fan of the show Dexter? What did you think about New Blood? And would you be interested in a Dexter prequel series with a younger Dexter? Maybe, like you said, pull of the rock and have Michael C. Hall narrate it. I, I don't know. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do another off the top here, shall we? Hey, Rob, what day is it today? Today is Monday. That must mean AMC is trying to find new ways to screw people over because that's what AMC theaters does these days. You know, AMC theaters, it's no, I'm not joking. I'm not, not being facetious here. They are my favorite movie theater chain. They are. And yet I, I am constantly amazed by how poorly run and just how backwards thinking knuckle it, uh, I I get perplexed, Rob. I, I get perplexed by AMC. I, I can understand that. And today is a new day and leveling up that perplexion, I suppose. Here's what's going on. Oh, no. AMC Theaters, who has always been at the forefront of trying to worsen the movie-going experience for people and to make it more expensive for people to go, despite the fact that the biggest challenge facing the movie theater industry today is to get people back into the theaters. Their brilliant idea is... Let's raise the prices. And that's what they're doing today. And we it's funny because we talked about this a few years ago. I said AMC would do this. I said on an episode of Movie Talk a couple years ago that AMC will do this. And now they're doing it. And here's what it is. AMC Theaters has announced that they are going to be getting involved in having tiers of prices for individual seats. This is what wow. they write in Deadline. They said the following. Theater chain AMC Entertainment is now shifting ticket prices depending on where the seats are located in the theaters in an initiative called Sightline AMC, or as it's called internally, Bend Over AMC. Uh, the seating selections based on their sightline of the movie screen within the auditorium, including value sightline, standard sightline, and preferred sightline sections. Standard sightline, the most common, is sticking to their traditional ticket costs. By the way, their tra traditional ticket costs, which they have been raising exponentially lately. Uh, value sightline seats are primarily in the front row of auditorium and cheaper. Preferred sightline seats are typically in the middle of the auditorium and will cost slightly more than standard seats. 
uh, AMC A-list members will have preferred sightline premium waived to encourage membership in a loyalty loyalty program. Okay. I remember on an episode of Movie Talk saying, mark my words, AMC theaters at some point and other movie theater chains will, in a creative way of finding new ways to charge more, are going to create pricing tiers for the seats in theaters. And that's what you're doing. Now, some might say, well, maybe it's okay if they're raising the price of certain seats and lowering the price of others. But I call you fool if you believe that it's actually going to come out in the wash. Let's go over to the classroom for a second. Let's say, in theory, you had a theater with 100 seats and the seats were each $10 a piece, okay? That means the theater is getting a total of $1,000 for a sold-out 100-seat theater at that price, right? Okay. With this new tier, while they are not announcing this, I'm going to guarantee you right now this is exactly how it's going to play out. Let's take that theoretical situation of a $10 seat normal. Okay. So their standard will continue to be $10. Their value, or what they're saying are the people who got to sit in the front row, they're probably going to make that $9. They're probably going to... Now, I I hope I'm wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure you can take this to the bank. This is what they're going to do. They're going to make the the front seats uh, $9. And by the way... It's probably only about 15 seats uh, that will fall into that category. Probably only about 15 seats in total that will get the $9 value. Okay, now we get into the premium. They're probably going to charge $12 for the premium. Now, take a look at what is happening here. And and by the way, that premium is probably going to make up about... 40% of the seats. So while they might say that the value seats, they'll lower by a buck or two, it will be a small amount of seats, probably front row, maybe a couple of other outlier seats. And so look, we're lowering those prices, but they're going to take the premium seats or the main body of seats that's more around the middle of the auditorium that will represent a larger number of the seats and they will increase the price more than they're decreasing the value. Basically, at the end of the day, end of the day, they're probably going to be pulling in $1,200 to, I don't know, $1,400 for that theater, for a full theater now, whereas when everything was costing 10 bucks a ticket, they were pulling in 1000 Do you see what I'm saying? So don't fall for this facade that, oh, you know. Now, here's the thing. There, I can already hear some people making the argument and screaming at me through their computer monitors. Saying, but John, you know, when you go to uh, a concert or if you go to a football game, you know, the better seats, you will be paying a more premium price. For the better. Sure thing. I I go to the John Williams concert every year. Ann and I treat ourselves. We splurge a little bit and we get ourselves the closer up seats so we can watch John Williams because we never know when it's going to be his last concert, when he's going to retire. So I get that. The difference, though, between a John Williams concert, a football game, a hockey game, 
a performance of live Beauty and the Beast on stage on Broadway is that you're not looking at a damn screen. You're actually sitting closer to John Williams. You're actually getting closer to the band. You're actually getting closer to the field of play. You're actually getting closer to the stage where the action is happening. You're not watching a screen. This whole value seating, standard seating, premium seating, or whatever it is they're calling it, is nothing more than another Adam Aaron buffoon scheme to once again screw over the people who go to the movies. And listen, I understand. Interest rates and inflation are high right now. So I get it and I understand that when interest and inflation are going up and it's costing more for the theaters to be in business, that they got to look for a way to up the price a little bit to, to counteract the cost of inflation. I'm not faulting them for that. But for you to stab me in the kidney... And then say, whew, I got that mosquito. You should thank me. When you are screwing somebody over and then trying to phrase it in a way of, look at how we're proposing a new system of value for you. It is, again, another thing of the Adam Aaron reign over at AMC, which has been disastrous. And this company will be so much better. He's gone. And again, I say this as somebody who AMC is my favorite movie theater chain. <laughs> I ain't hating on AMC. They're my favorite. I like them. They're the, that's the movies I go to. When I go to watch Ant-Man, I'm going to an AMC theater. They're my favorite. But being my favorite is what it makes it extra frustrating when I see this type of stuff. And, and it just, again, guys, it frustrates me so much. <clears throat> the, the tone deafness of this company right now in understanding that your industry, the movie theater going industry is in peril right now. And the number one thing you need to be focusing on is getting people back into the theaters. That means giving them the best experience possible and keeping the prices as reasonable as possible. It's, it's going to be pricey. It costs a lot. Look at this temple. That's a temple of movies right there. That is not cheap to operate. I get it. As a moviegoer, I appreciate that. But this whole system of Adam Aaron of like, hey, there's fewer people coming. We have two options. All right, let's go back over to the classroom for just a second here. You have two options when you're facing this type of trouble, right? <clears throat> Option number one, uh, make more people want to come, okay? It's like, okay, attendance is down, so we're losing money. What do we do? Well, option number one, Let's make the experience so more people want to come back to the theaters. That will make us more money. Option two, which is the Adam Aaron system of government, is just charge the people still coming more. That, that's how we make up for it. Hey, less people are coming, so we're making more money? That's fine. The people who are loyal, the people who keep coming, the people who are keeping the movie theater business in business, just charge them more. That'll make up for the money we're losing of other people not coming. Here's the problem. When you pursue option number two, it's going to increase the likelihood that fewer of them will continue to come because HBO is getting more expensive. Netflix is getting more expensive. Disney Plus is getting more expensive. Gas is more expensive. Inflation is going up. All that kind of stuff. You are just making it easier for more people to come. So you create this cycle where, okay, by raising prices, we cause less people to come. Less people are coming, we make less money. Let's solve it by charging the people who are coming more. 
which then leads to less people coming, which means leads to we're making less money. It, it creates this death spiral cycle. And instead of just focusing on, let's find ways to make coming to the theaters fun again. Let's find a way to get to really sell to people. This is a great night out. You're getting good value for the money. Again, I understand as inflation goes up, ticket prices need to go up. I get it. But the way in which AMC's Adam Aaron has been handling this is nothing short of criminally negligent. And when the movie theater system fails, the first fingers have got to be pointed at this guy. Because unfortunately, it's a follow the leader industry. And as AMC does, don't think for a second Regal won't do it too. Don't think for a second that at some point Cinemark won't too. Alamo Drafthouse may not. They're pretty fiercely independent. But I mean, this type of stuff drives me crazy. Anyway, Chris, uh, you hear about this. I don't know. Am I way off? Do you think maybe this isn't such a bad thing? I don't know. What do you think about no, it? No, I hate it. I hate it so much. I'm so cheap. I'm so cheap. So I'm going to be in those stupid little seats staring at a screen like this. It's going to be horrible. The chat nailed it. Is robbery going to feel like a good thing in a place like that? No, <laughs> it's not. I like that. It's really stupid. And I think this is a really dumb thing to do to people who are, you know, patroning your business, increasing costs like this. By the because way, I just want to point out the picture that Jonathan has up right now. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a temple of movies. That is the AMC Burbank yeah. 16. And you see that round part of the building with all the onward posters? That was AMC Movies News' office. That was a storage closet for the AMC theater. And they gave us that part of the building, that round part of the building that was just a big storage closet. And for several years, that is where we did AMC Movie News from. So, Jonathan, can you bring yeah. up that other AMC picture you showed before of the interior? Uh, yes. He's got to find them. Yeah, I'll find it. Okay. I'm just confused by it because there's a picture of Uma Thurman from Super Ex-Girlfriend. Why would you use that of Uma Thurman? <laughs> what a weird choice. What a flex. I Where? don't understand Oh, yeah, it. right there. I'm like, oh, yeah. Kill Bill. <laughs> no, get rid of that. Super Ex-Girlfriend. I think this is a really dumb thing because also with, I mean, with streaming and everything, usually you increase costs, right? Because of not only running a business and everything, the cost of production and everything, but also because of, you know, market scarcity or things like that. Are people clamoring to get to a movie theater? No, because they do have all of these other streaming options. And seeing things on a big screen is great and amazing. Dazzling images. We want to go there, but not at that cost. When we're already paying for all these other streaming things where I can eat my own food at home and I can have my dog and I don't have to wear pants. AMC gets real mad about that. So, like, why would I go for more money? It's stupid. Rob, I, I mean... You giggling about me now? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Everyone that was your number one thing on your now. job demands when yeah. you came here. I, I mean, that's why I want Zoom still. <laughs> we we get it that that listen, the best movie going, the best movie experiences are in movie theaters. We all believe that. We all know that. And and at some point, as inflation goes up, prices need to rise. But I mean, they just took. Let's be honest. The seats that all of us pick when we're first when we load up the apps and we're picking our seats, they just took all the seats that we generally pick and say those are the ones we're raising prices on. I don't know. What do you think about this? I think what they're basically doing is they're saying part of their product isn't as good as another part of their product. like Which is a dangerous thing it, to do. It's a really dangerous thing to do. Like when I was a kid growing up, sometimes I liked to sit in the front row. Like I'd see movies multiple times because depending on where you sat in a theater, you had a different experience of the film. Like sometimes I'd sit in the back. Sometimes I, most of the time I like to sit in the middle for sound reasons and get, I want to sit where the the screen is on the edge of my peripheral vision but what they're doing right now is they're making they're 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 stratifying their patrons
You know, as soon as you walk in, oh, you're like, oh, those people don't have the money to pay for our seats. I mean, it's such a weird, it's such a weird thing to do. And they're admitting that their product, some of their product is not as good as other parts of their product. The whole point about sitting in like a Dolby AMC Dolby cinema is that all the seats are great. You know, and you're getting with the lounge. Those seats are great. I mean, you go into that at the AMC 16 or whatever, your AMC, the Burbank AM 16, that's theater. Every seat's great. So are they going to stratify? Are they going to then say the Dolby theater experience is now we're going to charge extra for, like I've sat all all around that theater and I've never had a bad experience. It's always great. It's always great. So now they're coming in and they're telling you that some of their product isn't as good as another part of their product. The whole point about going to that theater is it doesn't matter where you sit, you have a premium experience. It's, Not anymore. It's going to bring up the scalping thing, too, sometimes, probably, right? Scalping like they did with Taylor Swift tickets. Uh, or, or, but, but, but also, what if the movies that don't sell tickets, you're, the people who want good seats are going to have to pay that premium? For, for for like a movie that probably people well, like a big Marvel opening, I could see scalping tickets or just any oh, yeah. opening, just any like We've even the smaller movies. Seats. There's a price increase for those. It's going to be all around. Probably, for, for yeah. They've been raising the price. They, they remember they already started the system of it used to be a movie was a movie. It, you know, in a ten dollar movie theater, you go pay ten dollars, you can see this movie or that movie and sit wherever. Now AMC charges more. Like you're going to be paying more to go see Ant Man next week. Than you did when you went to go see Where the Crawdads Sing. I'm <laughs> kidding. Nobody went to go see that. It's but so I mean, it's it, it, they're already doing that, right? Now, let me play Satan's advocate for a second, all right? Let me play Satan's advocate just for a second. You could argue that, and it, there is a line about this in the article, that, you know, the, the people who are A-list members, I am an AMC A-list member. This won't affect them. So part of this is they're trying to encourage people to mm. sign up for AMC A-List. <clears throat> now, I will say this. I believe every movie fan should have A-List. I, I really do. It is the best, I think, loyalty theater membership service there is. For 20-something bucks a month that I spend, I get to go up to 12 movies a month. Three movies a week, Right. That is an insanely good value. That is an insanely good value. So one could argue, if you wanted to play devil's advocate, that, hey, maybe they're doing all this to try to nudge people more over to becoming A-list members. Okay, good motivation, bad execution. Because all this is going to do, I, th- I think, is turn more people off from going to the movies. But uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? AMC is finding new ways to charge you more. This time, all the seats that you normally would like to sit on, they're going to charge you more for those. But don't worry, the neck breakers, they'll take $1 off or something like that. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Can you think of some positive upsides that maybe I'm just overlooking because I haven't had enough time to think about it yet? I'd love to hear them. Whatever your guys' thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys, with that down, we are now going to move over to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you are still paying insane amounts of money with every month on your wireless plan, it's time to switch to Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. I use them myself. Order today at mintmobile.com slash campia. And today, somebody's asking a question I have about, which is, What about Henry Cavill? Check it out. 
Hey, John, this is James. I got a question. Does James Gunn have to answer the question of where's Henry Cavill as Superman? Because that's what a lot of people want. They want to know what happened, where is he at, why is it for a reboot, is the DCU being rebooted? I just Does he really have to answer that question, or is that just us wanting to know everything, or can he just go forward and continue doing what he's doing? I'm not knowing how to answer that, ask that question, but... Yeah. What do you think? James, thanks a lot for calling that in, man. And yeah, listen, this we brought this up a a little while ago because, uh, again, background, I'm a huge, huge Man of Steel fan. I love Henry Cavill Superman. He's my favorite Superman of all time. But I have been okay with the idea of him not being Superman anymore. If James Gunn needs to reset things, I'm okay with it. The, The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one, as some pointy eared guy once said. So my guy, <laughs> your guy. So then, though, we started to learn that, well, it's not really an exact hard reboot. And a number of people are still sticking around. Uh, James Gunn actually said, hey, man, there's no reason why, uh, you know, James or Jason Momoa and and Gal Gadot can't continue to play. He didn't say they were going to continue to play those characters. He says there's no reason why they couldn't. Which for me and people like me and maybe James, our person calling in, to go, huh, that's interesting because where's Henry Cavill? Where's Lando? Bonus points to anybody who gets that reference. But where's Henry Cavill? Okay, James. And everybody knows I'm a huge James Gunn guy. I'm a big, I love James Gunn. But okay, James. So uh, I noticed, uh, noticed your wife's show isn't getting touched. Notice that, James. <laughs> Just saying, it's true. His wife's show isn't getting touched. Uh, so where's Henry? Okay. I get the question. Believe me, I do. Probably better than most people would. I would say this, though. James, one of the things you say in, in, in your call there was like, a lot of people want Henry Cavill back as Superman. I have to ask, though, do they? I do. I personally know a number of people who very passionately do. But does the general movie going on? Because remember, me and my kind and you, like we represent like 5% of the audience. The 95% of the people who make up the box office, the average moviegoers, I have not been hearing from them. I, I haven't been seeing front page of, you know, the USA Today going, the public demands to know where is Henry Cavill? And so when you say a lot of people on Henry Cavill, do they? How do we define a lot? Because while I absolutely do, yay, verily, I may even be willing to cut off a baby toe if, you know, some patron saint of movies appeared and say, if you sacrifice your baby toe, Henry Cavill will be back. I would probably seriously consider that deal. But it's not happening. And that's all right. But I have to acknowledge that I am in the minority. I think most people don't really care if Henry Cavill's coming back to Superman. Oh God, and it pains me to say that because they should. He's my guy. There he is. Look at, look at that Superman. Yeah, that's Superman. That is Superman. That is Superman. Damn it. But, I mean, uh, it is. do it is a lot Chris. of people? Yeah, I, I don't know if, a, I don't know if the majority of people are all that up in arms about him coming back. I am, John. <laughs> well, good. I mean, like my brother-in-law. There you go. I will not watch the next Superman movie because of my Love for Henry Cavill, Superman. Well, I'll still, <laughs> he I'll, will. I'll he's still he watch, watch, but yeah. 
He won't pay for a ticket. He'll wait for you. Oh, yeah. I'll wait yeah, for you. he'll watch it on Campia Plus. Yeah. That's <laughs> so. Um, I mean, so there's that. Now, the other thing about why him and not others. Listen, I, I still agree that some sort of clear explanation needs to happen. But does James Gunn need to be the one to come out and make an explanation of it right now? As the person who most wants the answers to that question, the answer is no, he doesn't. The reality is we are two years away from even getting our first movie. We are years away from that. And that is when we're going to start to get this new universe, this what the new DCU looks like and how it comes across. And then we will start to get a picture. Do we need the studio heads running around two years before they even get started to try to, to try to explain what's happening? Because what's the point of trying to explain it if you can't show what you mean? And we're two years away from them being able to show what they mean. So am I in the group that's going, huh, interesting no cavil, but I see your wife is still here. Am I, am I, <laughs> am I in that camp? Yes, I, I admit I am. As a big James Gunn guy, I, I am. But let's see how what the plan is. It's clear that this is going to reset the universe. And whenever we see a movie or TV show where the lead characters are suddenly in an altered universe, some things will be the same and some things will be very different. And if Superman's going to be the different thing, if it fits with what they're doing, I'm okay with it, but we are years away. So no, I don't need James Gunn coming out right now to give an explanation when we can't tangibly see what he's talking about for another two years. So I think it's okay that we wait. I, I don't know, Rob, this is, this is like toying with my heart here, Rob. My emotions are getting toyed with here, but I don't know. How would you address James here? Look, I, I too love Henry Cavill as Superman. I, I, I really do like him. Unfortunately, with the movies, the three movies are four, if you want to include Justice League twice. In the movies that we, we have him in, they've all underperformed. They have not met the expectations that they wanted to meet for various reasons and not because of him. But it's just that that you can't justify, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to make this. Now, we don't know if they're going to keep Jason Momoa's Aquaman. I don't know what they're doing. You know, all I know is what they've released. And what they've released is, to me, a new vision for DC, uh, a holistic vision that's starting An exciting vision. An exciting vision from scratch. And I think that the cornerstone of this is Batman and Superman, and to a certain extent, Wonder Woman and the rest of the Justice League. But Batman and Superman are really their core characters, and they're reimagining them. The If they had Henry Cavill, well, then do you have Ben Affleck come back? Because if you have Henry Cavill, do you keep just a part of him or not? And I think that it's easier to do a clean break because it's not just, remember, it's not just Superman. It's the entire mythos that we're getting. It's everything from Metropolis to Perry White to Lois Lane to maybe Crypto to, to Smallville. I mean, they're going to have to reinvent not just the man playing Superman, but the entire Superman mythology moving forward. And that mythology then connects to Gotham City, that connects to Paradise Island, that connects to Swamp Thing Swamp. I mean, everything has to be the, the it is truly a universe. And if you were to just change a bunch of stuff, but then not change Henry Cavill, does that mean that his metropolis is across the bay from Gotham? And if not, where'd Batman go? And did they know Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor? I mean, it would be a, a whole problem, I think, for moving forward. Unless, of course, you know, if they retain Aquaman and we get a whole different vision of what Atlantis looks like. And I think that it's, it isn't just the people playing the parts. It's the whole idea of the DC universe. It truly is a new holistic vision, I think, of all of it. 
Chris, you hear about this? I mean, there are some people asking the question. I brought it up here on my show, too. It's like, how come some can stay in Henry's not? I don't know. How would you because address Because those this? shows are winners. The show that you brought up, which, <laughs> yep. you know, James Gunn's wife is on, Peacemaker, was the most in-demand show. We reported on this so much last year. Parrot Analytics showed that it was 70% more in-demand than any other streamer at the time. It is the crown jewel of DC up to that point. Right. So that's why that gets to stay there. I don't have the same affinity for Man of Steel as you guys do. I do like Henry Cavill very much. I think he's wonderful. I think he looks the part and everything. But if you do want to go with a younger Superman, if you do want to start over and you want to have a possibly more well-received Superman, he doesn't need to stick around. He's a great actor. He's doing tons of other things. He had a great run on The Witcher. He's going to do all this new like producing and everything. He's got with Warhammer, Warhammer coming. I mean, he's ready to move on. I think everyone else can. And also, James Gunn doesn't owe you anything, fans. He's doing his own thing. All he owes us right now is hopefully the ability to do his job well and give some great DC properties the chance that they have to like shine and really do well. I agree with that. It's just that, to me, why was his uh, removal seem more definite than everyone else's? You know what I mean? It seemed like he was. it was more like the door was closed for him. I, I think the reason that happened was because of all the drama that had just happened with Black Adam. Yes. Mm. With the fact that they had just come out and said, I'm back as Superman. And so they had to they had to address that. So that that I get because they just did this whole thing with Black Adam. Henry Cavill's back. You know, Black Adam, we need to talk. <laughs> and come on. I squealed like a freaking schoolgirl in at a Beatles concert when that moment happened in screen. But that's probably why they had to make a definitive okay. move about that. You got it. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this where we're at? I, I mean, are you feeling like answers need to be given about the absence of Henry Cavill? Are you like me where it's like, you know what? We got a couple years till the first movies come out. Let's wait until then and see how this all works out. I don't know. How are you guys feeling about it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down into the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to move into our main topics here. But before we do, we're going to take just a quick second here and thank a couple of the sponsors of The John Campia Show, our friends at Masterclass and Rocket Money. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Masterclass. Masterclass offers classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class instructors at the very top of their fields. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes long. And Masterclass is completely accessible on your phone, the web, smart TV, and available via audio mode to listen to classes on the go. They have over 2,500 video lessons from over 180 of today's most brilliant minds. They're all available anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. Now, obviously around here on the John Campus Show, we love our movies. So why not learn filmmaking from Jodie Foster or maybe directing from Ron Howard himself or the great Neil Gaiman doing his masterclass on the art of storytelling. And you guys have heard me talk about my favorite masterclass, Business Strategy and Leadership by Big Papa Iger himself, Bob Iger, the new and returning CEO of Disney. So guys, I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class. And as a John Campia Show listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Just go to masterclass.com slash Campia now. That's masterclass.com slash Campia for 15% off Masterclass. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Rocket Money. The average person has around 12 paid subscriptions. Think about that. 
If you think you're only subscribed to a handful of services, you might want to double check. With Rocket Money, you can quickly identify and cancel all of your unwanted subscriptions. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitor your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want and don't even use. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as the click of a button. My wife Ann and I moved out of Burbank two years ago and one of the first things I discovered when I loaded up Rocket Money was that I was still paying for a gym membership I haven't even been to in Burbank in two years. So stop throwing away your money. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to Rocket rocketmoney.com slash campia. That's rocketmoney.com slash campia. rocketmoney.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Masterclass and Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, when you support our and try out our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. If you go down to the description of the video, you'll see links and promo codes for all of today's sponsors. And thank you again to Masterclass and Rocket Money. All right. With that down, guys, let's get into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics? Well, that's easy. You guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show and you want to participate in our show, just go ahead anytime, 24-7, and go over to www.thejohncampyshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you'll see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe... Just maybe you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first topic comes from Vaughn. Hey guys, I loved the original White Man Can't Jump movie with Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. So I guess you can understand why I hated that they're trying to remake it. Anyway, the first trailer just came out and I'll admit it doesn't look too bad. Did you guys see it? And what do you think? Does this have any chance of being any good? Thanks. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. And I remember white men can't jump fairly fondly. When I was a kid, you had Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson in there, who was hot off of, you know, Cheers and all that kind of stuff. It was a fun little movie. I mean, I don't think it's one of the all-time classic movies like some of my friends do, but it was, it was a good little movie. And when they announced that they were going to be doing a remake of it, I know some people were against it. I, You guys know my philosophy, though. Remake everything. I'm fine with it. If it's good, we've got a good new movie. If it's bad, oh, well, like any bad movie, we just let it go and we forget about it. This was an interesting one to do. Now, this is going to be a direct-to-Hulu uh, movie, so this is going to go straight to streaming. couple of points of concern here. Um, it's being directed by, I've only ever read his name, I've never heard it said, uh, so I hope I'm not mispronouncing this, uh, Colmatic is the guy who's directing the film. Now, he has directed one other feature film, called another remake, House Party. Nice. That was out recently. Rob did a-, uh, a movie that garnered a 29% uh, critic rating. Rob did a whole show about it. Yeah. And Rob did, Rob did an entire uh, full-blown <laughs> spoiler discussion after show on that movie. And it made a grand total of $8.8 million. Uh, so that's not the biggest, you know, uh, enthusiastic endorsement there. Now, 
it also stars Cinquel Walls, who was from in Friday Night Lights and Teen Wolf. Again, I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name. I've only ever read his name a bunch. I've never heard somebody say it out loud. And new coming to the acting gig, Jack Harlow, who, full disclosure, until this morning, I have never heard of this guy. <laughs> Apparently, last night, he was nominated for three Grammys. Yeah. No disrespect. I've just never heard of him until this morning. I'm like, all right. Okay, so let's move past all that and get to the actual trailer itself. How was it? Was a short trailer too? It was it was just a short little thing? Um, I'm gonna be honest. I thought it looked all right. Listen, I'm actually a bit of a sucker for con movies. Whether you're talking about the old Paul Newman, you know, Color of Money, you know, the, the movies about the, the con, the Sting. Heist and con movies. Love them. I have a bit of an affinity for them, right? And yeah. and that's really what the biggest, the best comparison about White Man Can't Jump, it really is to something like Color of Money and the, and the Sting and stuff like that. And, you know, and when they were having their little debate about I'm the P.T. Anderson of psychological warfare, who's P.T. Anderson? Greatest living director. Spike Lee is the greatest living. I mean, I actually, as a film fan, I kind of dug that little interaction. I thought that was kind of neat. Look, I have no idea if this Jack Harlow dude can act worth dick. I have no idea. I'm going to guess not, but hey, listen, we, we've, we've been surprised before, right? Maybe he can, but at least so I don't have a lot of hope for this when you look at who the director is and I, I never watched Teen Wolf and I didn't watch the, the TV series of Friday Night Lights, saw the movie, didn't watch the TV show. So I don't really know much about Walls's ability and his talent. So do I think this movie's going to be any good? Not really. I don't have high hope for it. But the trailer was interesting. I, I at least found myself a little bit interested in this now due to this trailer. Chris, you had a chance to see the trailer. Are you jumping for that remote control to turn on Hulu when this drops? Or what did you think of it? I mean, not particularly. Um, this trailer looks fine. It looks fine. But there's no Rosie Perez, so I'm out. And, <laughs> you know, Jack Harlow might do a really great job in this. And this certainly doesn't determine somebody's acting chops. We've seen really wonderful, like, award-winning actors bomb on SNL. But Jack Harlow wasn't good when he was on that, in my opinion. So maybe this will turn out to be great. There is actually a fantastic USA Today article about the for why of this, of just... This is why this shouldn't be made. And it talks about how, like, could you even do this con in this day and age where everyone's constantly on a phone? That was part of the beauty of the, the original is they could go from city to city and no one knew who they were. Also, you had to, to like suspend your disbelief a little of, well, there's Larry Bird in the NBA. So, yeah, I think we've established that some white men can jump. But in this day and age, too, we have a slightly more diversity in basketball as well. I don't know if it's going to stick the landing, but, you know, maybe it'll be fun. And it's on Hulu, so I'll probably tune it on when I'm bored, cleaning my house. Rob, what do you Hulu. think about the trailer? <laughs> okay, here's the thing. The original White Man Can't Jump was direct, written and directed by Ron Shelton. And Ron Shelton made Bull Durham, which is one of my favorite sports movies yeah. ever. So he's a real auteur filmmaker that specifically had done some great sports-themed movies. And he had something to say. I really like the original White Men Can't Jump. I thought it was a, a great film. It, it, it had a lot of insight. It was really funny. And it was made by an auteur. Now, it's I think everything now, like you said, hey, remake everything. The problem that I the problem that I have is that why? 
you know, other than reinvigorating an IP, does this director, did he write and direct the script? Did he have something in- interesting to say? Does, is he going <laughs> to offer some more insight into all of this in this world? I want to know that there's something about, and I'll tell you, while as a film fan, I kind of like that exchange between, I didn't believe it's coming from these dudes. You know, these guys are out there. Give me a, give me something about sports. You know, I would, uh, how, what is that debate, but from a sporting standpoint, when they're talking about film fans or film directors, I'm like, I do not believe that those guys are having that conversation. And it was cute for us, but I'm like, eh, do I believe this? I don't know. Hopefully the movie will be good. If it has something to say, I, I have to say, like you, it looked okay. You know, the movie looked okay. I like them as leads, but is it? Is it really going to be something that we need? Am I going to? What is my audience takeaway? What what when I see this movie? What insights am I going to gain into the human experience? Who cares? They just want to know if you. They just want to try to entertain you. Uh, uh, can and can you walk out entertained? Here's the thing. I don't know that this movie will do that. Uh, to I, be clear, I, I, but I, I don't. Just, that's the only thing. I don't either. And maybe look, <laughs> like you say, the and we said on the show, remakes don't affect the original. And maybe somebody will see this. They'll be led back to, I think the original came out in 92. We, we've talked about this. Studies have shown that when a remake comes out, interest in the original film spikes. spikes. It's actually really good for the original films when they get remade. And, uh, you know, I've always believed that, you know, um, and I think that's a good thing because I like that film. And um, um, hopefully it's good. I, like, I, I, you know, my new attitude in 2023 is... My de facto position, which it's always been this way, but I've slid into the dark side. I just want to believe that everything is good. Uh, you know, my, until I see it and it tells me it's not good, I'm just going to assume everything is good now and be excited <laughs> for it. Just believe. I'm going to believe. Until we see it and it's proved otherwise. Yeah, if it's proved otherwise, then I'm the first person to say this sucked. But I want to believe until I've seen it and I know it sucks. Hey, it could be the greatest movie ever made. Hey. All right. With that said, guys, question is for you. What did you think about the new little teaser for White Men Can't Jump? I'm full honesty here. I I don't have a lot of hopes for it when I look at everything going on behind the camera for it and whatever. But I got to admit, the teaser I thought wasn't bad. What did you guys think? Whatever you think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right. With that down, let's move on now to main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today? Our second topic comes from Film Zone. With video game shows like Last of Us and movies like Sonic and the upcoming Super Mario movie, looks like video games are a hit in Hollywood. Legendary Pictures have taken notice and now say a second Detective Pikachu is in the works. Not gonna lie, I wish they made a more classic Pokemon movie with Pokemon battles over another spinoff film, but I guess I'll take it over nothing. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. You know, listen, the first Detective Pikachu movie that came out, first of all, there were, we were talked about this on the Ask Me Anything video yesterday. I remember when that movie's coming out, people screaming at me and saying, John, Pokemon is the number one entertainment brand in the world. It, it, and they were right. It absolutely is. They say, you are a fool if you do not believe this is going to make a billion dollars because it's the most popular thing in the world. And I remember saying, yeah, but you know what the number four entertainment IP in the world is? Winnie the Pooh. How do you think Christopher Robin did at the box office? It's a different thing. And the first Detective Pikachu movie, the Detective Pikachu movie came out. And by the way, it did pretty good. At the box of $433 million. Not bad. Very respectable. That That's absolutely respectable. A far cry from what a lot of people were insisting it was going to make. It was going to be a billion dollar film. But still a pretty good result. And generally speaking, the critics liked it. Had 68% rating, a solid 68% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics generally liked it. I generally liked it. I didn't love it. 
Um, I thought Ryan Reynolds doing the voice of Pikachu and the character Pikachu were obviously the highlights of, of the whole damn thing. But it was all right. And apparently they see the potential to do another one. Because according to reports, they are coming in strong and they are putting in an active development. This comes from some folks over at Screen Rant who write the following. Now, Pokemon Detective Pikachu 2 has received a surprisingly promising update. According to representative for Legendary Entertainment via Polygon, the project is still in active development. Representatives for Zell, we'll talk about that in a second, stated that he is no longer involved, though he did write a screenplay for the sequel. However, Legendary remained mum on who is currently working on Pokemon uh, Detective uh, Detective Pokemon Pikachu 2. So, here's the thing. So, Oren Uziel, I hope that's the proper pronunciation of the last name, he directed or wrote films like 22 Jump Street. And he wrote the screenplay for the surprisingly good Sandra Bullock, um, uh, Magic Mike, Channing Tatum, The Lost City. That one was surprisingly good. He also wrote the most recent not-so-great Mortal Kombat movie, but he didn't actually write the screenplay for that. He just wrote the story, and then the screenplay was written by somebody else. So he's already written a screenplay for Detective Pikachu 2, uh, but is now no longer attached. So they're probably going to use his screenplay as a base and work off that. Do I think they should do a second one? Yeah. As somebody who didn't love the first one, I thought there was enough potential there. They created a pretty magical world. Imagine this city, this kind of advanced city where humans and Pokemon all live together. It definitely had a degree of charm to it. You bring in Ryan Reynolds. His, his voice as Pikachu was fantastic. So I am down for this. I would like to see them do another one and hopefully they can improve upon the first one. Anyway, Rob... You hear about this. Are you surprised that it sounds like they're moving ahead with another Pikachu? And do you think it's the right idea? No, because, you know, by all accounts, this movie should have been terrible. Like, I, yeah, I, it really I, I was like, really this movie have could have been. I have to say, even I, I enjoyed this movie. I liked seeing that, you know, it kind of had that Roger Rabbit world coexisting with humans and, and uh, got to catch them all. You know, all the, the Pokemon and all that stuff. I thought it was really an interesting <laughs> approach. It was fun. You know, and there was some actually some pretty clever stuff in in the, the movie, and it really depends, obviously, on how much it cost. What is the return on investment? And if they can keep the budget down, and they know that they're building whatever the sequel is going to be, they can probably assume that if if they get Ryan Reynolds back and it's at least as good as the first film, mm-hmm. making a little less than half a billion dollars is not a bad proposition, depending on how much it costs. So I am not surprised that this movie is getting made at all, and I hope it's good. Chris, I, I've never, you and I have never talked about Detective Pikachu, I don't believe. What did you Which think about damn it? damn shame, because I love this movie. Oh, okay, good. So I'm assuming you'd be all for them doing yeah. another one. Oh, my gosh. Well, to Rob's point, too, they made this for $150 million and it made 433 So they got a return on this. It did well. It was critically acclaimed. Well, critically acclaimed, I guess, is a jump. It but was it was well, well received. received. Well it was received. well received. It did well in the box office. I love Pokemon. And if there's something that my husband loves more than Helen Mirren, it's Pokemon. Those Pokemon so much. And so we saw this a couple times in theaters. But it's a really cute movie. I, I think the animation in this, too, is so wonderful. It was All the designs on them were so great. And if you were a 90s kid, you know, seeing these little creatures brought to life in this way was so freaking cool. Yep. They're just so cute. I'm all for a new one. The only thing that I was slightly disappointed in at the beginning was for a while, people were trying to get Danny DeVito to be the voice of Detective Pikachu. There was a whole thing. I remember uh, it was that. Great. It was great. But Ryan did an excellent job. Pika Pika. <laughs> I I, and you, I remember after that, what was the name of the, uh, you might, I'm prepared to be impressed if I'm right about this. Okay. 
the Snorlax. Snorlax. Is yeah. That me? Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's, that's, a, that's, that's right. Okay, that is, yeah, Ray is the living representation yeah. Of, yeah. of the Snorlax. So. But uh, aside <laughs> from that, I remember like at, uh, in Burbank, right beside the AMC Burbank 16, there's a big like Japanese candy store, like right beside the AMC Burbank 16 down oh, that yeah. little alleyway. And in it, they had this six foot something giant plush Snorlax that I remember Anne wanted desperately to buy. I'm like, honey, where are you going to put that? Where? Just tell me where you're going to put it and we can have the discussion about bringing it into the house. Wherever she wants. But, I mean, that was the problem. She was not able to come up with an actual logical place in her mind to put it. So we didn't get it. But yeah. Hey, got to get them all. Guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? What did you think about the original Detective Pikachu? And do you think there was enough there to do a second one? Maybe you think a second one's a waste of time. Maybe you think it's a brilliant idea. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three, shall we? Chris, what is our third main topic today? Our third topic comes from Booley Tan. Greetings from Malaysia crew. Just saw on Variety that HBO is moving The Last of Us episode 5 to February 10th, 9 p.m. Eastern to avoid Super Bowl Sunday. Glad we have two game days. <laughs> and will the after show come earlier? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And you know, it's funny because just a couple of days ago, somebody wrote in and talked about and reminded us that, hey, John, episode five of The Last of Us, it's on Super Bowl Sunday. Which are you going to watch first? And I'm like, well, you guys know how much I've been loving The Last of Us. I will eat, I will watch the game, and then it's still going to be sitting there on HBO Max ready for me to watch The Last of Us Episode 5 when the Super Bowl is over. But definitely going to watch both, but Super Bowl comes first. It's once a year. Well, apparently that is a problem I don't need to worry about because the people at HBO apparently have a lot of wisdom, and they decided to take Episode 5 and move it off of Super Bowl Sunday, sort of. <laughs> It kind of isn't, it kind of isn't. This comes to us from the folks over at IndieWire who write the following. The Last of Us will premiere its fifth episode early on HBO Max and on demand on Friday, February the 10th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 6 p.m. for us in Los Angeles. Two days before its broadcast premiere. Although the episode will still premiere on HBO's linear channels on Sunday, February 12th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, the early streaming premiere is almost certainly intended to avoid a situation where the episode's ratings get cannibalized by Super Bowl viewing. The annual sporting event is typically one of the highest rated broadcasts each year, with last year seeing <clears throat> 112.3 million viewers on NBC and streaming, uh, or you know, 10 times what Game of Thrones would get. Anyway, this year's game sees the Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs compete, and Rihanna just happens to be headlining the iconic halftime show. Mm -hmm. If you're HBO, this is the common sense thing to do. Now, they're, they're kind of playing it both ways. If you watch, if you are still one of those people like my grandparents, I suppose, who watch HBO on its linear cable television thing, that is when Last of Us Episode 5 will still airs on this Sunday. But if you watch it on HBO Max, the streaming service, that will drop early on the Friday. So I will be watching it on Friday. Very excited to watch it on Friday. Hell of a UFC coming up on Saturday, too. But that's that's another thing for another time. <laughs> uh, so that I'm definitely going to do that. Now, as far as the after show goes, we will not wait three days to do an after show of Last of Us Episode 5 on Monday. So what will happen is I will do a solo 
uh, Last of Us open spoiler discussion for episode five, either on the Saturday or on the Sunday, probably Saturday. I won't want to do it on Super Bowl Sunday. So on Saturday, I will be doing the after show solo for episode five. So that's how we're going to work that out. Anyway, Chris, I mean, listen, it, it's it's not good. I think everybody knows it's not good business to put up your programming against the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, was this the right move for them to move the debut of it to Friday? I think so. I think it makes sense. Um, you know, I, I'm not a sports person and I watch the Super Bowl every year. It's for the commercials and the halftime show, but I'm still there <laughs> making wings. I think this makes sense. I, I also love, though, that last night was the Grammys and they were like, that's fine. <laughs> we're not concerned. Yeah. And they kept it on Sunday. <laughs> I think this is the right move, though. Um, and, you know, HBO themselves, I'm sure they've got ads running, too, during the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Are I'm they sure doing, they will. I, I mean, they're they're betting on people tuning into that instead of their own programming. So it makes sense to me. Rob, what do you think? Was it the right move to move it? I think absolutely. Why not? You know, it's it's one of their most successful shows airing now. Give people a chance to to watch it for. I know I'm going to do that. You know, I'm one of those guys that's sitting there at five fifty nine. You know, waiting for Last of Us to hit. And I, I did yeah. last night. You know, so to get it earlier, I think is great. And obviously, they they don't want to. The problem is then in their their analytics in six months. If someone's looking at their analytics for whatever reason there's going to be a dip you know in episode five which they're going to have to explain somewhere down the line so what they're trying to do is to avoid that so the analytics stay the same because all that information is is necessary so i can understand i think it's a smart move and at least it shows that someone's thinking someone over there at hbo is going you know maybe we should do this on our biggest show so Somebody doesn't go, well, why did the why did the ratings dip for episode five? Is it not as popular? No, it's Super Bowl. So now they have a way to alleviate that problem, which I think is good. And the nice thing, too, this is one of the advantages of being a streaming service. With traditional broadcast television, you got to worry about lineups and you got to worry about schedule and you got to worry about all. Because if you move this thing here, then you're bumping something else out of the time slot and blah, blah, online streamer. Drop it wherever you want. It doesn't matter. It's just when do you make it available? It's like YouTube videos dropping. It doesn't really matter. So they're taking advantage of that. Guys, question is, what do you think? Do you think they should have gone, nah, screw the Super Bowl. Go head to head with it. Or was it the right move to move it out to the Friday? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into our fourth main topic today, shall we? Chris. What is our fourth main topic today? This one comes from Venmar. I'm completely floored. Every time I sit down to watch The Last of Us, it gives me a completely different experience, and tonight was no different. Even though the first two episodes did a lot of stuff that is very faithful to the game, it was tonight's episode that I really felt it. The bond between Joel and Ellie is the, is the Last of Us. That's the whole game. Zombies, hunters, fireflies, none of it's the actual game. Joel and Ellie are. And this was the first episode that made me feel like I was right there in that world because of it. What did you guys think? All right, Venmar, thanks a lot for saying that in. And and just a quick reminder, we are not going to talk spoilers um, on uh, on Last of Us episode last night, but we will talk about it in some generalities here. If you want to hear us talk in a full, open, spoiler-filled environment, again, come back and join us later today on the channel at 3 p.m. Los Angeles time. That's 6 p.m. Eastern time for our Last of Us open spoiler discussion. Once again, that will be at 3 p.m. We hope to see you there. That said... The Last of Us episode four had a very daunting task in front of it because it was coming off of one of the arguably greatest episodes of television I've seen in years uh, with episode three 
uh, what I call the Ron Swanson episode. It was, and don't lie. I, I saw a lot of YouTube videos this this week, man, of Ron Swan, Ron Swanson preparing for the apocalypse and Last of Us, and doing a bunch of clips from Parks and Rec about yeah. how he was clearly preparing for the the apocalypse coming in the Last of Us. Anyway, so it already had a very very tall order, and what Venmar just said. Who who was it? A Venmar. What Venmar just said is absolutely. 100% exactly what I was thinking when I was watching it. You know, last week in episode three, when they were when the story was on Joel and Ellie, you started to see the beginning of them even figuring out what their relationship is, right? Not a lot of endearment, but they were starting to lay that foundation. I mentioned that in our open spoiler discussion, that that was part of it. But this is why I think that while this is not the best episode of the season so far, why I believe this was the most important episode of the season so far is because of exactly what Venmar just said. This was the episode that we started to see Joel and Ellie and that relationship and that bond and the dynamic. And you see the, the, the beginnings of affection growing between them. And you're absolutely right. At the heart of it, that's what The Last of Us is, at least the first game. That's what it is. The the clickers, the hunters, Fedra, Cordyceps virus, all these things are context and background. Really, it's a story about a pseudo father and daughter. And if The Last of Us is going to work to that next level, like beyond just cool, it's another Walking Dead show, another apocalypse or zombies and clickers and all this kind of stuff out there. If this show is truly going to work on like an Emmy level, this is a show we're going to be talking about for years and years and years, then it becomes absolutely essential that we buy into Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal and their on-screen chemistry and their dynamic, and we've got to buy in to Joel and Ellie. We've bought into Joel easily in the first couple of episodes. I think we have easily bought into Ellie, easily. But can these two create an on-screen chemistry that has us buying into Joel and Ellie as this pseudo-father and daughter relationship that becomes incredibly emotionally grounding and becomes the, 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 the fuel, if you will, of the engine that moves this whole story along? And I think last night was the episode that we got to sit up and go, damn, they did it. Damn, they did it. I love the, everything about that episode, just when it's the two of them talking, whether it was in a lighthearted moment, a dead serious moment, whichever it was, I was buying into, you could almost physically see the bonds between them connecting. And I absolutely adored it. And I, again, and then they set up world. I mean, they changed a little bit, by the way, this scene is right out of the video game. Like it's, it's, it's a word for word move over from the video game into uh, into the show, which was pretty freaking awesome. Uh, I love that. But uh, they changed something like it's not Pittsburgh anymore. Now it's Kansas. And they were, they're taking characters like NPCs and making them more fleshed out, which is what you got to do in adaptation. Uh, by the way, the guy who did the original game's voice of Tommy, uh, Joel's brother, yeah, he actually has a pretty significant role uh, in the series now that we see. Anyway, not the best episode of the season so far. That was episode three. 
but I think fundamentally the most important one we've had because it showed us that the most key element of this show working, they got it. They got it. And because of that, I think it's the most important episode we've had so far. Anyway, Rob, you had a chance to check out the episode. What did you feel about it? Well, I felt just like you did. I mean, I really liked they they spent time. It wasn't rushed. Yeah. You know, and, and we got to see them having deal with multiple subject matter and Joel could speak with Ellie and they really were getting to know one another. And you could see that this kind of bond is it is the show. Like you said, it is what The Last of Us is and i also felt like even though they the again it shows how adaptation this episode how adaptation is enriching the tv show because the gameplay of this was a lot of it there's the people you're fighting okay they're they're rando human villains you know bad bad people now there's this really interesting dynamic going on where you know melanie linsky's character is like a new character like that's interesting. And suddenly they're giving us the game and what people know. But with all of these episodes, including this episode, the adaptation is giving us more. And I'm there for it. I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. So if you've played the game and it's something you know back and forward, back and forth, watching this this show, I have to believe, because uh, I haven't heard from that many gamers, but it's got to be enriching the experience. Like there, there's two different Last of Us now. There's the series and there's the game. And both, they sort of complement each other in a way. And I think that's really neat. And it shows how much time Druckmann and, and Craig Mazin, because again, Mazin wrote this episode, have spent developing the show. And I really feel that this show has been very carefully constructed and beautifully written. Chris, you had a chance to see the episode. Last- mm-hmm. By the way, I mean, without giving away spoilers or whatever, I'm like, who is, oh my God, that's the girl from... Uh, the the savage uh, ch- from yellow jackets. Yellow jackets. That's the girl from yellow, yellow jackets. And from heavenly, took Peter Jackson's level. heavenly creatures. Yeah. Anyway, what did what did you think about last night's episode? Oh, it was great, and I really think that dynamic is what's so important. And to Rob's point too, when you are playing the game, you play so often as these characters, and that's one of the things that helps ingratiate them to you because you experience the everything as them, right? You're the one giving them agency. This is all happening to you in a way so that it makes you really, really care about these folks. So you have to do a little bit more when it comes to this kind of narrative to really make sure that your audience connects with people. And they do such a good job. I was so proud of myself. I synced up with what she was saying in the car too, because I was, it's one of my favorite parts in the game. I love that whole bit. Um, And I was so excited. We talked about it last week in our open spoiler discussion. A thing that I was hoping they would bring in came true. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this on the spoiler section. It's going to be fun. Oh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun talking about this. And by the way, we knew going into The Last of Us what Pedro Pascal brings to the table. Right. We, we already know he's a world class actor that we already know. And by the way, if you didn't see him on Saturday Night Live this weekend, he was pretty great on Saturday Night Live. It's a me, Mario. <laughs> um, you, you should check that out. I And I knew Bella Ramsey just from watching her on Game of Thrones. I knew she was good. She is showing me things I didn't know she was capable of. And this I mean, there there are scenes in this again. We won't go into any specifics where she and her character needs to transfer almost instantly from appearing one way on the surface, ducking around a corner where she's alone, and suddenly it all changes. She is... Damn, again, I often talk in terms of if acting ability and talent were mutant powers, she's a fucking powerful mutant. Like She's showing it all more and more every single week. 
This girl's phenomenal. I can't wait to see more for her. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What did you think about last night's episode of The Last of Us, episode four? Again, make sure you come back and join us at 3 p.m. today when we talk about an open spoiler discussion. But just in general, how did you feel about it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With all that down, we are now going to move over and start taking some live questions from you guys. We are opening up the Super Chats. If you guys have a question you'd like to ask, go ahead and start firing them now. Uh, please, guys. Do not ask spoiler questions regarding The Last of Us, all right? Please don't do that. Save that for the 3 p.m. show a little bit later today. Now, before we get to those, though, guys, we want to thank a couple more sponsors of today's episode of The John Campia Show, our friends over at DraftKings, and, of course, my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, DraftKings. Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to see what prop bet will be boosted. Going into Super Bowl 57, I think you got to look at the Philadelphia Eagles as taking home the big prize. Keep your eye on Jalen Hurts. He's going to be the difference maker in the game. So guys, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code Campia. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code Campia. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. You guys know I made the switch over to Mint Mobile a while ago. The process couldn't have been easier and I can't believe that I am spending less than a third of what I was spending on one of the other major carriers before. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in minutes with eSIM. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia that's mintmobile.com slash campia cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at DraftKings and of course my mobile service provider mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show all right guys the floor is now yours let's go over and check out your super chats chris what do we have um, starting with uh, some support from Remy Alestra, or is that? Oh, yeah, it's from today. $22. Thank you so much, Remy. Thank you so much, Remy, just for sending in a super chat to be supportive. Appreciate that, man. From Jay, in 2025, barring the release dates remain the same, we will have a Fantastic Four, Avengers, Superman, and Batman movie. Oh, wow. Gut feeling, which do you think will have the bigger box office opening weekend? Th there's, there's, there's no question. There's no question about it. It's, it's, it's Avengers. I mean, by, by a multiple. 100%. Yeah, there's, there's nothing. I mean, Superman's going to be great. Batman's going to be great. Fantastic Four is going to be great. Uh, by the way, 
the hardcore inside baseball fans are far more excited about Fantastic Four than the general movie going audience are. Um, it, it's Avengers and it's not even close. By a mile, it'll be 100% it'll be Avengers. That doesn't mean the other ones can't do great. Of course they can. And I think they will, but they won't come close to Avengers. All right, what's next? From Corey Hensley, while ago, I ignorantly booked an early romantic four-course uh, Valentine's Day dinner with my girlfriend for February 12th. <laughs> now I wonder if sleeping on the couch is worth canceling. You know... Valentine's Day's on a Tuesday. Like, Valentine's Day... What does it matter? You went on a date and yeah. it was, the idea was there. Yeah, I, I, look, I'm, I'm one of these guys that I don't give a shit about Valentine's Day. I remember, true story. Now, before true I story. met Anne, true story. true story time. Before <laughs> I met Anne, uh, I was engaged before um, to gr a great girl uh, that I actually, we, we had stayed in touch for a long time afterwards too, but I, I was engaged for a while. And her, her mom and I didn't get along great. Um, I'd say we had a working relationship. Like we, we both knew that my fiance I, was more important to her than anything in the world. And she know she, her, her mom knew that she was more important to me than anything else in the world. And on that basis alone, we could function together. Right. So one day her mom comes into my office. Uh, Cause we were, the three of us are going to meet for, for lunch and she got there first and she comes to my office and we're talking to you. So what are you doing for Valentine's day? And I said, well, you know, actually, we talked about it, and, and neither of us really care about Valentine's Day all that much. For so, we're probably not going to do anything. And her mom did not like that answer, and she started to get a little bit irritated. And she was like, "Well, listen, Valentine's Day is a day that represents this, and it represents commitment and love. And I think it might say something about you if you don't try, if you don't take advantage of a day like that." No, and it blah, blah blah. And she started going with all these things, and I said, "Listen." mother's name i said i really appreciate you but this isn't actually your business Dang. oh boy oh boy did i realize later that was the wrong thing to say but i'm like yeah. this isn't really any of your business and, and we're gonna do what we want to do that was it gloves All came right. off at that point because it was yes it is she said yeah yes it is my my business because she's my daughter and i love her and you're an ass for saying something like, like yeah. she's going Woo! Did that thing go crazy? And of course, just like a sitcom, that was the moment that she came walking into the room to walk in and see me and her mother going off about that. But yes, I don't care about Valentine's Day. So don't worry about it, dude. The fact is you're taking your girl out for, for a wonderful romantic night. It doesn't matter if it's Valentine's Day or not. You should be good. And if she makes a big deal out of it, well, you just grin and take it because that's what you need to do. But other than that, I, I wouldn't really care about it. Are you months. also upset because it's Super Bowl Sunday? Cause you can still. Is that the twelfth? Yeah. Oh my God! You're do you're taking your girl out. You, you know how many points that's going to get yeah. you as a man taking your girl out and you're skipping Super Bowl to take your girl out for a five. I dude. think he just realized it was Super Bowl. He's regretting it. Yeah, no, regretting now. It. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really regret it. All right, what's next? From Leonardo Gillian. Uh if only <laughs> Superman had Henry's face in Peacemaker. Damn it! Even Weasel is safe. Anyways, <laughs> I'll judge after I experience whatever gun is cooking. But yeah, it'll still sting if eventually, hypothetically, everybody is back except him. Leonardo, I 100% agree. I am in the same place as you. It stings. It stings. I get it. I understand it. And I am open, more than open. I'm excited to see what James Gunn is going to do. He's the man. 
What him and Peter Safran are 100% the right people to lead DC right now. But I ain't going to lie and pretend it doesn't sting. It stinks. I, I wish Henry Cavill was still there. I wish that James Gunn found a way that James Gunn is, would or that uh, Henry Cavill would still be the right guy to play Superman for them. But obviously he's not. He's not telling us why he's not. We'll find that out when the movies come out. But I agree with you, man. It it still stings. I'm stung. All right. What's next? Stings from Raymond Verrata. Like knock at the cabin, if you were a sacrifice if you were to sacrifice a member of the Cambia crew to stop the apocalypse, who would you Taylor. choose? Taylor. <laughs> yeah. He plays those songs, it's so annoying. I yeah. love you, Taylor. I'd never sacrifice you. Yeah. Oh, but but if you stop playing, what's the song you keep playing for me that oh, I hate? Mama number five? Yeah. Yeah, Limp Biscuit, yeah, then I'll, I'll then I'll think about saving you. I would step up and sacrifice myself to save all of you lovely. Rob, See, but you but according to the rules of Knock at the Cabin, that it's it true. can't be that way. It's true. That's, I, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Taylor only because Taylor's the newest here. So you know, seniority, last hired, first fired, if you can call sacrificing him fired, but yeah. But only because of that. That's the only reason. All right, what's next? And then we're going to give you up, Tay. What? what? Uh, I didn't say anything. What are you talking about? From right, Brandon. <laughs> How are you guys not talking about Viola Davis's EGOT? Historic. It is historic. She EGOTed. Yep, it, it is historic. I, listen, again, we've talked about EGOT before. EGOT is an incredibly, it's an impossible thing to do because you have to do all these different things. But is it really, I'm more impressed, win four Academy Awards. To me, that is more impressive than winning an EGOT. Win seven Grammys. That, to me, is more impressive. I mean, it's not as rare as winning an EGOT, but to me, it's more impressive. You know what this reminds me of? In baseball, there's a stat in baseball. Here's a good one. This Go back and talk to Taylor, and um, or not to, sorry, to Logan, and you'll impress him with your knowledge of sports, okay? There's something in baseball called... He doesn't called, like sports either. Oh, you're going to come across... I'm the, married so smart. You're going to come across to all the, the, the people in your circles about how knowledgeable you are. There's something <laughs> in baseball known as hitting for the cycle. It's a very rare thing in baseball. Very, very rare. Hitting for the cycle is this. You hit a single, you hit a double, you hit a triple and you hit a home run all in the same game. Very rare. Very rare. Hardly ever happens. But objectively speaking, it's way better if you hit two home runs and get like six RBIs in the game, which is not nearly as rare, but it's far more impressive and far more valuable. Yes, the rarity of hitting for the cycle, incredibly rare, hardly ever happens you'll rarely ever see in your lifetime but i'd rather have somebody hit two or three home runs in a game just straight up because that'll help my team a lot more but i would say this i mean viola davis she can tackle a diversity of roles and i think she that do this just makes her cooler i mean you know I, I she's just cool it's just one of those extra added facts like hey by the way did you know she you got it you know it just makes her cooler but you see there are people there are people out there who are not as noteworthy that they win an EGOT, then you go, oh, well, hey, and it puts a little more respect on their name. Like Viola Davis needs more respect on. I mean, she's Viola Davis. But it does make her cooler. It does. It adds an extra little thing on her resume. Yeah. She's already a goddess. Looks I mean, nice does, on it, the does it really do anything that much? Looks nice over the fireplace. EGOT. Now, mm. of course, if you watched. Uh, if you watch 30 Rock, EGOT may be a more important thing to you, but, but it is what it is. All right, what's next? 
From Dumbro Door, Gunn announcing his DC lineup feels like 2013 again when WB announced a Batman vs. Superman film at San Diego Comic-Con. The excitement of casting and direction over DC is alive again. I'll tell you what, there there is a small vocal group that is, is very anti-anything that's going on, right? Anything that isn't just continuing on with the, the, the failing direction that it was all going in before is not going to make them happy. So it doesn't matter. Most people are very excited, but, but again, we are, we are a long way off from actually seeing anything that's going to get the average person excited. Like let it's, we're still a year and a half away or more from getting the first trailers and all that kind of stuff. Right now it's all hypothetical and theoretical. And by the way, I get it. It's a new regime at Warner brothers. It's a new regime, as Big E would say. It's a new day. It's a new day at new Warner day. Brothers. It's a totally new regime. But you know, us comic book movie fans, we've been through the life cycle of Warner Brothers, where they've announced a lot of stuff that we ain't ever saw. So that's all great that James Gunn is announcing this is happening and Bold and the Brave and this and all that kind of stuff. But people who follow Warner Brothers for a long time, granted it was another ownership, but still are like, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. So let, let's see what happens once we start getting there. All right, what's next? From Suthius, you know how Vision got all philosophical with what is grief but love persevering? Oh, yeah. Well, Mr. B is also philosophical, and he says this line as well, but in his special voice. Thank you for Friday. I'm assuming that has something to do on the show that I wasn't here. Oh, and you're doing all of your Hall of Family voice stuff? Yeah, I think that's what oh, yeah. that is. What is grief? Oh, oh, yeah, I sang. Was I sing a song? Yeah, Little Mermaid. Right? Yeah. That's we, right. Yeah. Someone wanted me to sing a, the Little Mermaid lyrics as, meanwhile. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this. It was stuff. hard to do. Isn't it neat? The whole family. <laughs> I, um, I'm going to see if I can pull this up or not. Don't switch over, Jonathan, until I say it's something we can try. I'm not sure it is there anymore. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how to pull up. Oh, wait a second. There, there's reels. Is this in here? Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead and switch to my screen. For Let's switch to, to my screen for a second I'm here. I'm seeing the air. Let me close it and bring it up. Okay. So I, I wasn't on Friday's show uh, because right now uh, Universal Studios Hollywood is doing special preview days of their new Super Nintendo world. And... Anne and I, Anne was managed to corral us a spot. You and Logan went too, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay. So, we went on Tuesday. You guys went on Tuesday. So, Anne and I went over and went to check it out. And were you able to get the screen? Oh, that, oh, there it is. Okay. So, this is a, a little bit of uh, oh. the video of Anne and I at Super Mario World and some of the stuff that we were able to see. This place was amazing it was absolutely amazing every nook and cranny of the entire super nintendo world was filled with details and like fun things to see and literally as we ann and i stopped to grab something to eat in the in a restaurant first before going into the super nintendo world and ann reaches over and grabs a couple of extra napkins i'm like you bring some food with you she goes no i'm gonna cry because oh. Anne is super into the Nintendo games, right? And sure enough, as soon as we walked in, you go through the transport tube, bloop, 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 you go through there and you walk into Super Nintendo World. She was, she got like kind of weepy. <laughs> it's magical. It's amazing. And now Universal Studios Hollywood has, between their Wizarding World 
which is absolutely, I'm not even a huge Potterhead. Their Wizarding World is absolutely incredible. And now Super Nintendo World in there. I'm telling you what, if you have any sort of appreciation for any of the Mario games and particularly Mario Kart, uh, you've got to, got to, got to get over uh, to the Super Nintendo world. It was an absolute blast. But anyway, that's why I was not here on, uh, that's why I wasn't here on uh, Friday. It looks great. That was so much fun. All right, what's next? From James Argenta, over under 15%, the new Batman or Superman are introduced in Flash Post credit. Zero. Thousand percent zero. They yeah, they no. Remember, they made they made this movie like they actually shot this movie like a year and a half ago. So I mean it was absolutely zero percent chance of that. All right, what's next? From Dumbro Door, it's cool that the brave and the bold could possibly be like Superman and Lois, where there's a refreshing live action look at the superhero as a parent. Yeah, I mean, listen, one of the things that I, I was really impressed with Superman and Lois, the show, um, was the fact that Rob, we've talked many times about the fact that it's challenging to make a story about Superman where Superman is legitimately challenged. Yes. And the I thought it was a bold choice to make a show where it's basically, how do I balance being Superman and being a parent and a husband and all that kind of stuff? And I know that doesn't sound all that great the way I just said it, but they made it pretty compelling. They did a great job. And it'll be interesting to see if they, they can come up with something like that as well in The Bold and the Brave. But Damien's a little bit of a different kid than uh, Jonathan. What's his two kids' names? Jonathan and what? Jonathan and Jordan. Sure, yes. Damien's a little bit of a different kid than Jonathan and Jordan, but still, it's going to be interesting to see that. It's not like warm, fuzzy parenting. He's an assassin. (laughs) Yeah. All right, what's next? From Cody Hunt, KC represent. Kansas City doesn't get a lot of representation on film, even if it's just, uh, even if it is just in the skyline. Yeah, of course, because the, the new episode takes place in Kansas City. Yeah. I, of course, have a little bit of a connection to Kansas City. Um, AMC Theaters, their headquarters. Technically, it's in a town called Leewood, but it's in it's in Kansas. And uh, we would have to fly out there to, to AMC headquarters every once in a while and hang out there. I really liked it. I had some Kansas City barbecue when I was there. I like <laughs> Kansas a lot. All right, what's next? From Vixter 5001, not sure it airs in the U.S., but the U.K. just saw the finale of Happy Valley, one of the very best BBC dramas strongly recommend. I've never heard of this. Have you, Rob? I've heard of Happy Valley. I've just never seen it. Does anybody know what this what it is? Nope. All right. Well, yay. All right. What's next? <laughs> Vixter's got good from, taste, though. From Stubble McShave, I was surprised to learn that the Cantina Band music was called J-I-Z, according to Lucas. It's a Star Wars version of jazz, so it came from the canon. George, uh, did, I'm, what? Did, did he, did he actually refer to it as jizz? Really? That, that, that's a little short-sighted. That's, see, George, here's the thing about George. George never really asks anybody for their opinion. He never asks, he, he has no sounding board ever. Has he ever had a sounding board of, what do you think about this? Never has. I mean, he said, I want to do Jar Jar Banks, and he just told the people that I make Jar Jar Banks. I mean, that's just it. It reminds me, I've told you this before, that in, in uh, Saskatchewan, big, big, big ass province, as big as Texas, but only has a population of a million people in total. Saskatchewan, they had a lot of farmers in Saskatchewan and they have like something called the Dairy Council that, you know, kind of works together to figure out dairy price. And they decided um, uh, it wasn't the Dairy Council. It was one of the other farming councils about uh, beef and and pork. It was for for pig farmers. Right. 
And they made this big, big multi-million dollar campaign around Saskatchewan, putting up billboards everywhere. And the name of the campaign was Pork, the one you love. <laughs> but of course, you're just driving down a bill, you're driving down the highway and you see a billboard that says Pork, the one you love. And while you're like, that seems like good life advice, but yeah, I mean, it's just read the room, run it by a few extra people before pulling the trigger on it. Perhaps calling that music style jizz was not the right move. Pork the one you love, everybody. All right. What's next? From Stefan DeLewitt, uh, Stefan DeLewitt, Winters. Sorry, I'm so sorry. My city has two movie theaters and I always used to go to the fancier one, but prices kept rising. <clears throat> two months ago, I had enough and decided to go to the cheaper one at half the price. I don't regret it. Sorry, Stefan. Yeah, sorry, I, I mean, that, that, look, I, if I were in the same situation, what I would probably do, if there was a noticeable viewing experience difference, I would probably go to most movies then at the other theater. But every once in a while, like if a new Superman movie or the new Ant-Man movie or something like that was coming out, then I'd probably splurge a little bit and go to the nicer theater. But I, I agree with you. We're going to get to the point where it's like people are going to start looking for alternatives. Um, so I, I get it. Well put, Stefan. All right. What's next? From Chillmonger. Hi, John and crew. I just finished 1883 and I loved it. Do you know if Tim McGraw and Faith Hill have acted before because they were both incredible? Tim McGraw has, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Tim McGraw definitely has. And I think Faith Hill has. Tim McGraw well. was in Friday Night Lights. Yes, that's right. Series. He was the dad, the one dad. Um, yeah, so the, he's done acting. And yeah, listen, the performances in it were great, particularly Tim. Well, Sam Elliott was great. Sam Elliott was phenomenal in that series. Very, very well acted show. All right. What's next? Uh, from Leonardo again. Thanks, SNL. Now I can't unsee Pedro Pascal as Mario. <laughs> listen, I'll tell you what. Here's the thing about that sketch. So Normally, they're little fake trailer stuff that they do. They're, they're usually funny. They put a lot of production value into that. <laughs> like how they pulled that together in a week. I mean, obviously, it wasn't movie quality, but what they were able to put together in a week, that was really impressive. Yeah. Like that was super impressive. So I couldn't help but laugh every time as some characters with extreme depth. I'm, what is, well, who's the first one? Yoshi? No. Mm -hmm. And I'm, bisexual <laughs> and then and i'm toad and i am also bisexual it was like come on it was, it was that was great it was really really good all right what's next from uh raymond verrata like knock at the cabin silk sonic sacrificed themselves at the grammys so more folks could win congrats to harry album of the year lizzo record of the year and bonnie Raitt song of the year that silk sonic record though is incredible i love that record i don't listen to it oh it's so good I've never heard of Silk Sonic. It's really good. Um, I, how do I put this diplomatically? I don't care about the Grammys. Um, although I did see one interesting thing that I guess um, one of the big awards went to Adele who won best, best performance of the year for one of her songs. And Dwayne Johnson was the one who presented her. Um, the Grammys just seems to have a lot of repetitive overlapping categories just so they can give out more awards and recognize new people like album of the year versus record of the year versus performance of the year versus single of the year versus like, it's like, it's, it just seems, I don't know what, look, I'm not going to pretend to understand the Grammys, so I'm not going to critique it too much because I don't really understand, but it's just, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you I cared about the Grammys much, but that's just me. All right. What's next? 
from uh, Raymond again. Like knock at the cabin, Viola Davis got the Gang of Four uh, Gang of Four of Awards, the EGOT for her Grammy for Best Audiobook. Yes, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't the traditional Grammy for a, a vocal singing song performance. It was an audiobook. Again, it counts. It counts. It counts. It's a Grammy. Again, nowhere near as impressive as, say, winning like four Academy Awards, which you will probably do at some point. But uh, but yeah, there you go. All right, what's next? From Vess, a.k.a. Mr. No Days Off, I just read an article saying that Disney is in negotiations with Universal to purchase the rights to the Harry Potter IP. Do you think this could be a great acquisition for Big Papa Iger? Bring on the filthy. I thought this was a fake story. I don't believe, yeah, just just to be clear, like, look, I'm not inside the walls of Disney. I don't believe the story at all. There is no way. Have you seen David Zaslav talk about Potter? There's no way they're giving that IP up. No. And when Hogwarts Legacy, is that what the name of the game is? Hogwarts yeah. Legacy? When that game comes out and smashes all kinds of records and all that kind of stuff, by the way, the reviews for it are, they'll look, the reviews are sounding really, really good. Um, there's no way they're selling. Now, well, here, uh, the only thing I can say about that is they're talking about the rights to do amusement park stuff, not the rights for like the film franchise or the book. Oh, well, okay. So, you know, it's funny because I was just at Universal. But I, again, I can't see Universal giving those. those I know. Up. It's such an important part of what they do. Now, as far as theoretically the question of, would it be a good acquisition for Big Papa Iger? Of course it would be. If you could bring that IP under your, your roof and have like Potterland at your park, of course you can. But I don't, I don't see it going anywhere. But you never know. I mean, look, I'm not going to pretend that I'm on the inside of that. So we'll see. All right, what's next? From Kendall Barker, Taylor is such a great addition to the crew. It's time for his own chat emoji. Oh, oh a cute oh, little right, one with glasses. Right. Oh, yeah, we should have a chat yeah. emoji. For... Okay. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. Raise a little behind on getting Taylor. <laughs> Raise a little behind on getting new chat emojis yeah, together I for our members. He's working on it, though. He's working yeah, on. It. I'm working on it. All right, what's next? <laughs> From Kyle Schneider. Hey, John. Ant Man reaction watch tonight. As a matter of fact, yes. Tonight, um. The official reaction embargo lifts at 9 p.m. Um, I I know because actually as we were doing the show, I was texting with Christian. And I was like, what time does the, the reaction embargo lift tonight? It's 9 p.m. tonight. So I think I'm probably going to either uh, come into the studio here or do it from the spare bedroom home. But I will be doing a live reaction watch. So if any of you guys want to watch along, come back and join me later tonight. And like Marvel does, I have to say, because I'm kind of a geek about this stuff. I do like what? they do. I know, right? They do have a live broadcast from the red carpet. Disney has. They yes, always do. They always the, do. And, yeah. and I have to say, I like them. <laughs> I watch them and I like them. Can can <laughs> I? I'm gonna, okay. I don't, I don't like to criticize other people in the creative field, particularly our own field. Here we go. You know what? So don't. So I'm not going to say. Never mind. I, I I retract what I was going to talk about. So uh, let's move on, shall we? What's next? <laughs> Scott and Tanya are going to be there tonight. Uh, Rob at the red carpet and everything. Who is? Scott, uh, just Scott Campbell and and Tanya. Oh, that, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, they were bragging last night, and I was oh, like, I want to go. I want to go. Um, next up from uh, Alex Vin Productions. Did you guys see the Agent Elvis trailer? It's an upcoming Netflix series about the studio behind Spider-Verse with Matthew McConaughey voicing Elvis. I, I've, I've not even, seen it. I, I got to admit, I've not even heard of the project. So, I mean, but hey, 
a Netflix project that they haven't really advertised or promoted, it's Monday. I mean, so I'm not surprised. But that's thank you for putting in my putting that on my radar because I am kind of interested in that now. All right, what's next? From James Wheeler. Hello, everyone. Did you hear that Mount Washington in New Hampshire got to 108 below wind chill? What? Wow, that's very cold. What what is if somebody do some calculation on that for me? What is uh, hold on a second? Hey Siri, what is 108 degrees Fahrenheit in Celsius? Oh, and then it just crapped out. Does anybody got that? Just fire that. <laughs> I know. I was waiting for Siri. I'll convert it, but yeah, somebody find out what that is. Uh, now we're talking wind chill because wind chill can get real, real, real. What is that? What is 100 42. minus 108? It's minus 108 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. What is that in Celsius? In minus real degrees. 42. Minus 42? Ah. Guys, listen. When I lived in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, uh, we would get five to six weeks of minus 40 Celsius, and that was not with wind chill. That was not with wind chill. Does it, is it the same with negative? Because it's only giving me Fahrenheit, like positive, 108 to positive. Oh, no, no. It would be different. You yeah, have to, you have to not, put in the negative side. That up. I'll, I'll have to look that up. Okay, yeah, because yeah, minus minus forty degrees Celsius. We'll just ask, what is minus forty degrees Celsius in uh, in Fahrenheit, and see what it says. Maybe it would be faster if we just ask people at home to do it. But um, yeah, it, I mean, it gets that that cold. Okay, so they're saying minus seventy eight degrees Celsius. Yeah, so that'd probably be about as cold as it would get in Saskatoon sometimes. Yeah, thank you guys in the live chat. Appreciate that. All right, what's next? From Connor, do you think Zaslav is keeping an eye on Hogwarts Legacy rave reviews and how it's faring with gamers? I think if you are the owner of an IP, you're always going to watch how how auxiliary branches of that IP perform. Of course they are. Look, if if David Zaslav watches and sees nobody buys Hogwarts Legacy and nobody plays it and nobody cares, that's he's probably going to take note of that. If it is really well received, which so far the reviews have been quite good, uh, and if it sells really well, mm-hmm. which I have no idea if it's going to sell well or not, I'm, I'm going to guess that it will, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's been some pushback about J.K. Rowling and all that kind of stuff, whatever. Uh, but he's definitely going to take note of that. Uh, how whether that'll be positive or negative, don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But it, I, I think it'll. Uh, I think he's definitely going to be paying attention to that. All right, what's next? From Esteban Reyes, love work. I'm currently at urgent care and had to leave my class with a sub. I hope everyone is okay. And Rob and company, you're the homies. Oh, I, I'm sorry. They had oh. to go to urgent care. Oh I mean, obviously, it's not your thumbs because you're, you're like, right. that's that you're good. Type. You're able to sit up and watch the show. That's good. I hope everything's well, man. Take care of yourself. All right. What's next? From Jay, it's amazing how the no, I am your father is still one of the biggest movie reveals in movie history. Oh, it absolutely is. Totally. Um, actually, it's one of the most misquoted lines in movie history. Because uh, a lot of people, when when they quote the line, they'll say, Luke, I am your father. That's not the line. It's like, no, I am your father. Like, that's that's the actual line. I. The eyes drawn out, too. <laughs> Such a good line. It is the great. It is the great movie reveal of all time. It's the great movie reveal of he all time. He told me enough. He all right, what's me, next? You killed him. <laughs> From Esteban. Uh, oh, oh, we just we did that. that one um, there we, we go. From a Sith Lord. Happy Black History Month, crew. Question. Do you think we will get any milestone projects, live action or animated? I've been reading a lot of them recently, and it would be fun to see. Any what projects? For Black History Month? Milestone? 
Let, let me see. Oh, the, my, oh, the milestone, yeah. the DC. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, okay. Yeah. I thought they were talking about as in big. Okay. The the DC universe. There's an adjunct, the milestone universe that the great Dwayne McDuffie and people like Dennis Cowan and stuff created 30 years ago. That that's where like Static Shock came from. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Icon is like their version of Superman. I would love to see. There's a lot of great characters in that universe. Well, there's been a lot of talk about a Static Shock. Yeah. Uh, like a new live action series. I would love to see. I thought that was a really a really great universe, uh, subset of the DC universe, but I would love to see those get made. You know what? Speaking of Black History Month, dude, if you guys want to read something cool, Alexandre Dumas, who wrote The Count of Monte Cristo, Cristo yeah. his father, dumbass. Yeah. yeah, from his father, <laughs> Thomas, why there hasn't been a movie made of this guy who's a French brigadier general. I mean, this guy is the most baller. I'm like, where is the Thomas Dumas movie? And you read about this guy, and you're like, why haven't I ever heard of this person? One of the most amazing historical figures ever in France. Read about, read about him. And they and should by make the a way, movie. I don't know why I, was, why I did a brain freeze on this. Minus 40 degrees Celsius. Minus 40 is where Celsius and Fahrenheit meet. Oh. Is minus 40. So that's why... Yeah, okay. That's so, so minus 40 Celsius is minus 40 Fahrenheit. So hit minus 108, but that's with wind chill. Wind chill, for those of you who don't know, is what it makes it feel like it is but i'd be curious to know what the actual temperature was because it might just been really strong winds all right what's next also another great read is um the black mage by daniel barnes it's a really really good one you guys should pick that up um from seconds from disaster last night i finished watching game of thrones straight through for the first time and i agree with you daenerys had daenerys had a solid trajectory for becoming bad and slaughtering the city you know what and i have you are the not the Mm. first person to tell me that that, like, I think probably when you sit down and just binge watch Game of Thrones, I think that turn and the, the fact that they telegraphed her turn becomes more apparent. Um, because I, I remember when Ann and I would do our little after shows of Game of Thrones, I'd said for years in the earlier seasons, she's going bad. And I, I thought they were making it very obvious that she was clearly going, going to go bad because they were laying those little foundations. Everything... Like Daenerys believed she was doing it for the right reasons, but it became clear it was always about her. And when it went that way, it caught a lot of people by surprise. But I think you're right. If you sit down and just watch it and binge it, it becomes a little bit more obvious where they were going. All right, what's next? From Tim Platt. Meanwhile, meanwhile, in the <laughs> Hall of A-Holes, Adam Aaron, Dan Snyder, and Spectrum Internet are plotting their next nefarious scheme. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, again, listen, I I don't like, for all I know, Adam Aaron is a wonderful, wonderful man. For, for all I know, I don't know him personally. I don't mean, that, and when I'm going off about how he's handling a company, I don't mean to imply that that speaks anything to his personal character, okay? I want to be very, very clear about that. Uh, I just get really passionate about the fact that I see him horribly mismanaging a company that I have history with and that I like very much. Uh, and... Also, when I see somebody that is negatively affecting the movie going experience, which is my favorite thing, is the movie going experience. And I see when I watch somebody like this guy who's in a position of power that is literally ruining that industry, I I get kind of passionate about it. Again, I want to make sure I don't go over the line and make it sound like I think he's a terrible person. For all I know, he's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man. But he's horrible horrible at running amc theaters he's garbage um so i i i i don't know i need to put that in the strongest possible terms he is absolute garbage which is really too bad because they're coming off a one of the finest ceos in american business 
the guy who was the CEO of AMC before him, who, who moved on to other things, he was fantastic. And uh, anyway, was that's that Garcia or Jerry? It was Jerry. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry. Um, so uh, that was that. Anyway, guys, that'll do it. For today's installment of the John Canby Show, thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Once again, guys, don't forget to come on back at 3 p.m. Los Angeles time to join us for our Last of Us open spoiler discussion. Uh, I hope you guys will come back and be there. So many things to talk about. We hope to see you then. And of course, come on back and join us for tomorrow's episode of the John Campia Show. So with that all down, guys, I want to thank everybody in the room. Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett back there, Ray Ora. Taylor Gonzalez, running the show is Jonathan Voico, and of course, the delightful Chris Carr. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.